Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Hey there, magical friends and magical family. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 29, I'm your host, Shasta Ray, and I am joined in the studio tonight by my little budgie parakeet that I mentioned on the podcast a few months ago, Zoltan. He has been taming up. He's my buddy. This is only the second time I've had him in the studio. I've got a little play gym for him. He's on his little carrier cage. And birds, any kind of the parrot type of birds in that direction of pet... They are still technically a wild bird. Even if you have them tame and they are captive bred, they're still not technically a domesticated animal. So they tend to have just a little bit of that fearfulness in them and skittishness, especially the budgies. They're a real nervous little bird anyway. So uh, he's not really sure what to think, but he chatters up a storm pretty much from the time he wakes up till the time he goes to bed at night. Usually if I'm talking or there's noise going on, radio, TV, anything, he likes to get in on the conversation. He's kind of eating some bird seed right now. I got some spray millet for him to chew on so he gets a little more comfortable in the surroundings. So we'll see how he does. And he might start chiming in and lending an opinion as we go. We'll see what happens. What do you think, Zol? (laughs) He's checking the studio out. He sees his this podcast stand here next to me. So, yep. Okay. So we'll see how that turns out. He's a really funny little guy. He's getting kind of bonded with me at this point. And I just tried to get him to get closer to me, but he's still kind of unsure of his surroundings. I guess we'll see what happens. Anyway, tonight we are going to do some fun stuff. Oh my gosh. I have had a lot of requests over the months to do another episode on shadow work, and it's about the first time I've had to sit and talk about it, and I think I'm going to do a podcast challenge. I haven't done this in a very long time, so we're going to see if everyone wants to do a podcast challenge, and we're also going to throw a psalm at you, as well as a new divination technique to help tie it all together. So it'll all be part of the podcast challenge. But let's dive into a little bit of shadow work. Now, a friend of mine sent this to me very recently, and it was just basically a meme because I had mentioned shadow work. And 
The definition it outlines is that it is the art of searching for the light in the darkness and making sense of your old wounds, your triggers, your undesirable behaviors, and then turning them into or transforming them into making yourself that being that is balanced and spiritually evolved. And it will help you harness that inner power. And then the meme at the end says, it's when your soul comes back home. And it's like Jareth Tempest in one of his earlier appearances on this podcast, I think it was when we talked about ancestor work. Um, he had talked about, you know, during times of trauma and hurts and things like that through our life, we lose a little tiny piece of our soul. It chips off kind of. And then there's some recall we need to do to kind of fully heal ourselves. So that's kind of part of shadow work also. And however you want to look at it, it's a very necessary part of life. Even if you're not really into the whole magic lingo yet, and you're not really sure what to think of terms like shadow work, maybe you just call it self-work or self-betterment or however you want to call it. The main thing is to be able to look at yourself, including all those parts of yourself that you're not real crazy about, because once you look at it, then you'll know how to address it, fix it, what to address, what to fix, this, that, and the other. So peppered through all of the popular magic books out there is a lot of inner self-work type magic that you can do. And different reasons you might want to do this is, A, you simply want to just be your best self. You can't be good to others unless you're being your best self and you're being true to yourself, right? And you don't want to walk around living a lie and duping yourself all the time. And that's what basically some of those old scars and those hurts and those triggers and stuff are. We're kind of kidding ourselves that we can handle it and deal with it, but then it kind of creeps up and bites us in the ass in some way repeatedly, right? It's a really good thing to get past. All kinds of beneficial, mundane reasons why we should face all of those old yucky things so we can lay them to rest, get them in our past where they belong, so they don't plague us in our present or in our future. So once you release all that, that's also going to release a lot of blockages that's going to hold your magic back. And a lot of people in the groups repeatedly post, my magic didn't work, my magic didn't work, and everyone's jumping in, diagnosing the hell out of it. Did you do this? Did you project this way? Did you think this way? Did you ask this way? How did you phrase it? How did you do it at the third hour on the fourth moon of the ninth Jupiter, twelfth of the retrograde? I don't care. You know, sometimes we may have a blockage. And if you got a blockage, your psyche ain't going to let you receive that thing that you're after. So you have to analyze it. Early on, and even Valk had moaned and I discussed it the first time he was on. I've discussed it earlier in the podcast. If you've got a hatred towards people that have money or you have blockages that you think having money is evil or any of those old things that kind of gets tucked into our brain at a very early age or resentments towards the uber wealthy, anything like that, you have to get rid of those blockages and stop hating on the thing that you want to bring into your life because your psyche will just fight it on you and it'll be at best an uphill battle. 
your magic is just not going to work for you. You're going to think that that form of magic doesn't work. That can lead to all kinds of more self-doubt and more blockages. I mean, do you see where I'm going with this? Right. Everything starts within you. Your magic starts in you. And my job is to empower you to find your own path and heal all that stuff that could be blocking your results. So let's start with, how do they say that? Sometimes the most simple and logical answer is the answer. Like, go with the odds. And we all have blockages. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be ashamed of that stuff. Sometimes we have things in our past that has affected our personalities adversely, and it sucks to look at. You don't have to tell anyone about this. Sometimes we have problems just talking to therapists because we just don't want to even say it out loud to another person or whatever. So the beauty of shadow work is doing a little bit of magic for self-realization, for advancement, for ascension, self-ascension right? And all that great stuff and good reasons and yada, yada, yada we always hear about, right? So work on your problems. Work on the things that hold you back in this life as well as the things that hold you back in your magic and your spiritual journey. Because unfortunately, to sound like a broken record, and this sucks, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, you've probably heard this all your life, and it's one of those things We've heard so much, you kind of block it out and you don't think about it or you've gotten immune to it or kind of numb to it, you know, calloused. But the whole thing is you can't love others until you love yourself for who you are on the inside and you're happy when you look in the mirror every day. Now, don't take that the wrong way. Don't get confused with supermodels on magazines and getting down on yourself because you're not what society says you have to be to be beautiful or any of that crap, right? What I'm saying when you look at yourself in the mirror, I don't necessarily mean it has to be a physical mirror on the wall that you're gazing into to see your reflection. You need to see your reflection of self, okay? You have to be okay with you. You have to be at peace with yourself. You have to have love for yourself. And that does not mean being a narcissist and blowing that out of proportion and all that kind of crud. You don't want to be that either. You don't want to take it to an extreme because that's unhealthy too. You've got to find that self-love balance and stay humble, but confident at the same time, right? And that can be, that can be a pleasant journey or it can be a difficult journey it just depends on your mindset and where you are with that. So here again, I can't say it enough. Everyone's journey is their own, but part of your magical journey should be trying to be your best you because when you're your best you, you can tap into a higher level of the divine and you can get that wisdom kind of like downloaded almost instantly. And that bypasses all use of angels and all use of spirits to do your bidding and all that junk, right? When you're getting the knowledge yourself and you're able to think clearly, tap into your intuition better, your insight better, listen to your inner psyche, open up to the divine, then you're going to have all kinds of realizations that's going to guide you on your magic 
and give you a game plan for your magic. That will set you up for success. It's going to give you a game plan and some knowledge and the ability to think clearly in your mundane life. That's going to set you up for success. And guess what? You're going to be nurturing your family relationships, your friendships, your work relationships, all of that. You're going to have balance in all areas because those blockages aren't going to be throwing the balance off. You're not going to be doing a juggling act with stuff you don't even know what it is you're confused about. So, hey, let's just jump right in. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what has helped me in the mundane because you've always got to do your work in the mundane for you, right? You can do magic for your shadow work to help you. Like one of the best, best, best ones is working with the Psalms, the 72 names of God, and um, Angels of Alchemy is a really good one. So for book recommendations, magic book recommendations for inner work, self-work, all that sort of a thing, shadow work, self-betterment, ascension, realizations, whatever you need. A really good start is, I will put links in the show notes for Angels of Alchemy and 72 Sigils of Power, I believe it is. And that gives you a couple different ways to work with the names of God. Um, Then, of course, I always recommend working with the Psalms. That can help you with a lot of stuff. And there are uh, Psalms that I'm going to be recommending tonight for shadow work. So we'll do that at the end of the show. And we're going to do some of the cool divination tools for shadow work. But first, I just kind of want to tell you one of the mundane things that works for me. This doesn't work for everybody, but I highly recommend it if you can find some aspect of this to make it work. And I'm going to tell you some success plans in the mundane to help you be successful if you're interested. So what works for me, and if you've never had an upbringing or part of your life where you've been enriched with either house plants or house pets, I cannot stress enough. Oh, Zoltan is starting to chirp now. So I guess he's happy. Okay, so I cannot stress enough what kind of joy this can do for a person, but you have to be dedicated to both. So before we jump into animals and what they do, Let me tell you about a couple things you can do with houseplants. There are people all over, I can't tell you, years and years, and I was one myself. Oh my gosh, I can't grow plants. I can't grow plants. They die. I'll tell you why they die. If you get a houseplant and you follow the instructions on that care tag for that houseplant, there is a high chance that plant is going to die. And you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to go buy another one. That's how the industry is designed. They either give real generic ones that don't really apply to that plant entirely, or it's kind of so generalized that it's not entirely proper. So one of the big ones that I'll give you as an example are orchids. How many people out there believe that you buy an orchid, it's in bloom when you get it, it goes out of bloom, and that's all there is, or it dies after that. Like, it blooms once and dies. These things live years and years and years. I have six orchid plants upstairs that I got at Sam's Club. I have one that I have had. I got it actually shortly after this podcast 
started. So it's a year and a half old almost at this point. It has never been out of bloom. And it has sent up second flower spike. So it had the old flower spike for months and then it went into another bloom cycle with the old spike on it still. So two other of my plants have already gone through their second bloom cycle. And the key to it is, first off, the containers that they come in are not really good for them to thrive in, nor is the substrate usually that they are packed in. So there are I have found, I can't remember her YouTube channel. I think it's Little Miss Orchid Girl or something like that. She has the most amazing advice. And then I found a company that has orchid supplies. I found the right substrate, the right pots for them, the right food. And then there's a probiotic you give them once a month. And you have to soak their roots correctly once a week for just a couple minutes. And you don't water them nor do you put them in dirt, and they will thrive and thrive and thrive and thrive. And they are a very low-light plant. You don't want to put them in direct light. They do very, very well. You would be surprised how long these plants will live. People will have them years and years and years. And if you know a few secrets about them, you can get them to kick out extra blooms and produce little baby clones. I have, so yeah, you can have a lot of fun with these plants. They're a slow grower, so you don't have to trim them or worry about overgrowth or anything like that. A beginner can have them, right? The easiest way is just go find a couple websites. And if you're in doubt, don't get the plant until you just kind of do a couple quick Google searches and find something that works for you. Another way is to do a Google search for, say you live in an apartment or my house in particular doesn't get a lot of direct light through windows. I get a lot of bright indirect light. So do a search for easy care house plants for bright indirect light. And you're going to bring up tons of options. Go out on YouTube. You would be surprised and shocked how many care videos from plant freaks are out there holy cow, it is a plethora of information. So check that out. Now with plants, you can also get very, 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 very good information from Facebook groups. That is one area where I recommend for sound information, find Facebook groups for that type of plant enthusiast thing. So that's a really great way to have success. And then those people are going to cross over into other plant type categories and stuff. So anyway, gardening. If you like gardening, that's another great one. Maybe you don't want plants indoors. Maybe you have a little flower bed. Find information for what's going to grow for your area and that placement so you'll feel like a failure if you select the wrong ones. Make sure you're getting a success plan for what you want to grow. Now, the beauty of plants is that they are a living creature. They are a living being. We don't think of them as animals because they're plants, but they will respond to you. And the joy they bring is a very even, happy, positive energy. They are just wonderful little creatures, little beings to have in your presence. And 
if you tell them things and and talk to them, they'll just interact with you. They like the the attention. And believe it or not, it's a very true thing. So when people say, talk to your plants, talk to your plants, they interact with your energies is what it is. They don't have a way of listening. They don't have ears, but they are a living being. They respond to positive energy. So practice on them. Practice saying positive things. If you can't bring yourself to be really nice to people, or you've had a lot of frustrations, you have trust issues, whatever, but you still need that interaction, plants are awesome. Trees are awesome. You know what? They're not going to judge. Talk to them all day long. Have fun. Fish tank. Get a fish tank. I have a bed of fish but don't put them in little tiny bowls. They're not happy. There's this big misnomer that, oh, they live in these tiny little bits of water. No, they can. (laughs) They're able to. They don't live in little tiny one cup, eight ounces of water. That's ridiculous. That would evaporate in a matter of an hour or two in their atmosphere. They live in shallow pools um, that can have a potential to dry up in the summer or they get smaller. So that's why they get very territorial and that's why they're known as fighting fish. But I have a very ornate male betta fish. He is in a five gallon aquarium. He has a snail that keeps him company. He hangs out with the snail and I've got all sorts of decorations and stuff in there. Filtration system, all that good stuff, and he thrives very well. So if I tap on the glass, he comes up and and eats. You can interact with your fish. I will say if you're you're prone to thinking in the terms of goldfish, they will muck up water. They tend to poop a lot. Find a fish that is going to have easy, easy, easy care, but learn how to take care of it. Don't take the pet store's word for it. That will not help the animal because... Unfortunately, the pet industry is geared towards your psyche in a day and age of keep it simple, keep it really convenient for the human being. It's not what's best for the animal. And there are no standards in the United States for for animal nutritional needs and requirements on pet food. So be aware that they can legally put on their packaging nutritionally balanced or complete meal or any of that because there are no standards to be held to. So anyway, plants, honestly, if you can keep them happy and healthy and you just take a small amount of time to just make sure that you're getting something that you can care for properly, it's going to thrive and it's going to do well and it's going to bring beauty into your surroundings. Put it on your desk, put it in your living space, whatever. If uh, if you want to take it up a notch and you want to get a little bit more involved in plant care, you like the idea of pets, but animals don't really fit into your life. You can get carnivorous plants <laughs> and keep them in a terrarium and feed them. And uh, they're a very almost crossover to animals. <laughs> they're, I've had Venus flytraps before and they can be a lot of fun. So that's something to look into, hobbies of sorts, right? But caring for another living being is a really good way to tap into your shadow work, believe it or not, because you have to have a very bare basic 
love, um, an agape love going on. And you have to have that to give it, right? And it will teach it to you. You'll start caring about this being and you'll start realizing it cannot do anything on its own. It's up to you to take care of it for all of its needs. So as I said, if plants aren't your thing or you're terrified of them or, uh, Maybe you've already mastered some house plants and you're already there. You're already like, yeah, house plants. Woohoo, what's next? Okay, next step. If if you're not really into pets that you have to care for, here again, consider a betta fish. They call them the Siamese fighting fish. I think that term has kind of gone out the wayside, but the betta fish, you can get them almost any place that sells fish. But here again, learn how to properly keep them so they have enough space and they're really well cared for. They they don't want to be in a tiny little fishbowl, I guarantee you. And they have great personalities. Guess what? They can live for like 10 or more years if properly cared for, believe it or not. They'll interact with you and uh, you, you'll have a little fishy friend, right? So that's another option. Now I had mentioned the orchids and the and the plant industry i'm going to give you a really 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 good one in the pet industry everyone knows about little hermit crabs right and you keep them on gravel and you give them a small little water dish and um you feed them something whatever and you give them a house and then they live about 6 months to a year and then you get another one not true these animals can live like 25 30 years It's just that they are not being kept properly because the public is not being told how to keep them properly. And if the public knew how to keep these animals properly for them to live to that age, you wouldn't keep them because the setup is very detailed. You need to have a very large aquarium. So for a small little hermit crab, you would almost need to start with a 10-gallon aquarium. But they can get to be a very big animal. So they need to be able to dig and they need to be able to burrow. They need have they need to have fresh water as well as brackish water. They have to have that salt content. So you have to have the right setup. They have to be they have gills, right? <laughs> Believe it or not, they have gills that they have to have wet. They're a land crab but they need that. They still thrive being partially in the ocean and being wet and in that moist atmosphere. So a little tiny fresh water dish isn't going to do much. They have to be able to get their bodies a little bit submerged, but they still have to be able to climb out. So you have to make sure they can still get out, right? But then they need to be able to dig because much like arachnids, tarantulas, that sort of thing, they have to be able to shed their skin and then move into a larger shell. So those are another animal that's very tragic in the pet world. They set the owners up for failure and they set the animals up for failure. So you have to do some research. And if you don't think certain animals or plants or that sort of thing are for you because you kill it all the time, the industry probably set you up in the first place. You were duped, right? And it's it's allowed because probably the care is general enough that it, it counts. I don't know how they base it. I really don't. Okay, so those are just a couple suggestions if you're not really an animal person, but you're kind of interested in maybe having a little living friend to hang out with that's not a problem and 
and not a fussy thing, right? Sometimes we want that living creature to take care of and nurture and watch grow and uh, watch thrive. And we have that desire, but we don't want the extreme care of something like a cat or dog, or maybe you have allergies or whatnot, or maybe you travel a lot and you need something. So those are good options. But I'll tell you what they do for me. They they honestly have taught me a lot about self-love over the years. Oh, there goes the bird again. So when I was raised, my parents loved me very much. I was cared for. I had a roof over my head, clothes. I was treated well. I was never abused or anything. But my house was kind of what I call emotionally sterile. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on emotions, how to control emotions, how to perceive your emotions, how to work with your... None of that. I was just... stifle them, right? And then when you did have an emotional moment as a kid, you felt really self-conscious about it and you didn't know how to let that out or process it in a healthy way or think on it, right? So that's kind of what hurt me over my childhood. It wasn't that my parents had any malintent towards me or anything, but they weren't raised in a healthy emotional environment either, and they didn't know how to deal with their emotions when it came to interacting with others. The love was there, but the knowledge of how to deal with anything beyond the happy stuff was difficult, right? And I think that holds true for almost everybody out there. Well, when you're caring for an animal, you have to understand that creature is entirely dependent on you for its happiness, its well-being, its companionship, its food, its fresh water, even how it goes to the bathroom. It is completely dependent on you. And when you keep an animal that's social, it is your job to bond with it and respect that love that it has for you. A lot of people lose that in translation. They think these animals are just something that's kind of cool to have in the house. It's fun. It's whimsical, whatever, whatever. Every animal I have kept is a very complex creature. Now, they do not think like humans. They will never think like humans. They will never think they are a human. But really good pets that we tend to say, oh, he thinks he's a little person. No, they don't. They have learned how to adapt to life with you so they get the maximum attention and the maximum happiness with their coexistence with us. It's how it works. Sorry to tell you that. They will never think they are a human. Animals don't think that way. It will seem that way. But that's what makes them such great companions is because most of the animals we keep as pets are community animals or social animals. Dogs are a big one. I started, obviously, I've got two parakeets. Now I have a pet pigeon, and he is already taming one week into the effort. Oh, there goes Zoli again. Now, Zoltan has been a journey, and I wanted him here because of the, here again, misconceptions of the industry. Holy cow, you can go to a pet store and get a bird for $30. And there's everything on the internet that says, oh, tame your bird in two days. Uh Uh-uh, not always. (laughs) Maybe there's some that have been treated really well and they're not really fearful. Maybe they've had good experiences. Maybe they're just very trusting. 
every bird out there is a different personality, and mine was traumatized when he was young by hands grabbing him and not holding him properly and squeezing him and stuff. So even though... Hi there, Zozo. Even though I got him when he was right at six weeks old... The day I got him, the pet store owner did not handle him well. He handled him very roughly and then held him up to my face and was like, is this the one you want? Oh my gosh. This bird was terrified of me and my hands. He still has issues with hands. And getting him to trust has been a major problem because he's not been food driven. So I don't have a reward system for him. I've had to work with psychology in learning him and earning that animal's trust Oh my gosh. And in the past two weeks, he's started reaching out to me and asking for kisses. And he'll let me give him a little kiss on the beak every now and then. Not much. He's still very territorial and unsure of stuff. But he loves me talking to him and being around him. And he trusts me. He knows when I'm giving him treats and toys and things to play with. He just came over a little bit closer to me as I'm talking about him. They are very smart little creatures. But again, parakeets, parrots, all those types of birds are wild animals, and most people do not understand them. And then you get into the mistakes of getting into Facebook groups and all that, that you get really, oh my gosh, bad information. Do not get into Facebook groups if you're trying to learn about animals. Please, I beg of you, I am telling you right here and right now that Facebook groups are not going to be the way to go. While they are full of people passionate about the animal, it does not mean they know a darn thing about the animal and they are going to be, oh, I've raised them since I was four. I've done this since this many years, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, maybe you've kept them alive, but I still hear a lot of really bad information, right? So I've gone to experts And with the budgies, I've gone to bird sanctuaries, bird um, rescues, and learned from experts. So I've done that. And then I found some really, really, really good sound resources online that's helped me understand their mentality. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I have dumped literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars with experts talking about my dogs, how to train them how to get them interactive with me, how that I can understand their mind. I have the best relationship with my animals that I can even begin to tell you about. And it's enriched my life in ways that I can't even begin to describe. It has helped me heal old wounds and deal with parts of myself that I never dealt with. I've had to look at those parts of myself in order to have that self-love, to have that compassion, to really be able to be a good friend to my animals. Not just keep them as pets. They're my family. They are my friends. Believe it or not, my birds, even my pigeon that I just got one week ago, is starting to learn how to communicate its needs to me. Now, my dogs are really, really spoiled. They got me wrapped around their little fingers, I tell you what. And this little bird behind me, he he absolutely has me wrapped. He knows that I just cater to him left and right. He is in charge. It is pathetic. So um, the joy I get from this is immeasurable, I'm telling you. 
it is a wonderful mundane area to work on that self-work. But the key to success with animals, do your research. Do not just go, oh, so-and-so has that. I'm going to go get one. Before you get any living creature that has a heartbeat, do a lot of research. Think about it for a minimum of two months because these animals are going to be in your life for years and years and years. My little parakeet behind me could live up to 18 years easily. 15 is kind of typical and with with proper health care on him, you know, if I have him the right diet and all that. And that's been another journey with him is learning to get him on the proper diet so that he will be with me for a long time. But a lot of people make a lot of mistakes in the name of kindness, and then they don't do well with the training. And part of the joy is being able to interact with your pets to a point they trust you, so that if you do need to interact with them, like the birds, some people just let them free fly, they don't interact with them, they're essentially a wild bird in their house. But then if that bird is sick and they have to take it to a bird vet, it is such a traumatic experience because that bird has never interacted with the human that it's more stressful than if you tame the bird. So make it a journey. Make it a beautiful thing. It will enrich your life like I can't say, but you have to take proper care. If you can't spend time with a bird, it's cute and everything, but if you can't dedicate time to it to have it out of its cage, they should not be kept in cages all the time. Mine are out of their cages about eight hours a day. Most of the time when they're ready to go back in their cage, they're back in their cage. They have toys they love in there and they're playing with the toys when they're ready to go in there and play with their toys. So do your research. Make sure that if you're keeping an animal, you're going to do it right. And the reason I am bringing this up is because it goes back into that shadow work. And and that's because if your animal is miserable, that energy is going to be permeating your space and you're going to be perpetuating that misery. It's not going to help anything. You're going to have a miserable animal that resents you. Make sure it's a working relationship. You are not going to get the benefits of that relationship if it's not a co-friendship. Okay. So do your research. Make sure it fits into your life. Right, Zoli? How you doing? You singing over there? I said he was going to be a podcast bird. Listen to him. He is a happy boy. And um, yeah, they, they are amazing. I cannot tell you the journey and the meaningfulness of this bird already. I got him the first week of March. And here we are, not even quite August yet. And the love I have for this animal is overwhelming. So... Give it a look-see. See if something works. If if it's not your thing, hey, get yourself a plant, right? Or do a divination. So not everything works for everyone. If neither of those things are for you, don't do it. It ain't going to make you happy. It's going to add stress to your life. Do it when it's when you're ready and do it when the time is right for you. But tuck it in the back of your head and then do a little research. Like I said, if you're going to bring an animal with a heartbeat into your life, make sure that it fits into your lifestyle. Make sure you're going to be able to care for it properly, give it proper diet, and go beyond what some pet store employee is telling you. I have worked in pet stores before. Their training is 
negligible. Trust me, they train them just enough to get their jobs done and sound like they're experts, and they are not. Usually they are taught very generalized care information. So while they have the best of intentions, they're not trained properly in everything there is to know about that animal. And like this little bird, I call him a flying mouse. He's only about five inches tall. He's a tiny little guy. The cages they'll sell you in a pet store are itty bitty. They are basically a carrier for getting the bird to one place to the next. They're not a, a home. You need to have a big cage of proper size. They need space, right? These little birds don't live in a tiny little box-sized space in the wild. They fly for miles and miles and miles every day. So to keep them in a tiny little 18-inch cage is very cruel, actually, day in and day out. And people just think that's okay because that's what the industry teaches us as a society. So if you've done it in the past, don't beat yourself up. It's what you were taught. But that's part of the duping of getting your money in society with, with things that should bring you joy. And it ends up making us sad and we don't do it because we're afraid that we're doing something wrong. We are doing something wrong. We're listening to what we're told. We need to be digging deeper. Oh, there goes the bird. Oh, what are you doing over there, Zol? <laughs> He's getting his flight feathers back. Come on, Zol. Come back over here, bud. All right, he's flying around the studio now. Um, so in conclusion about pets in particular, if you find that particular pet that you have, you connect with, you spend time nurturing it, and you really understand, particularly if it is a social animal that is bonding with you, you will start seeing this unconditional love and adoration from this being, the look in its eyes, the anticipation when it sees you, and you're going to realize that this living being loves you for you and it doesn't matter. It's just it loves you and it doesn't matter what you look like or how you feel about yourself. It loves you. And it's a very, very intense and pure connection and a love if you really want to nurture it and acknowledge that it's there and interact with it. When you start realizing that another living creature can love you so completely and that it depends on you, you're going to make sure that, A, not only does it have the best life it can possibly have in your care, and you're going to give it all of its needs to keep it happy and whatever it takes, right? You're going to spend time with it. You're going to get to know it. But you're also going to start thinking in terms of, hey, I better not risk having that drink and driving because that little life at home is never going to understand why I didn't come back to take care of it. You're going to start thinking in terms of how important you are to at least one living creature. And that's going to give you something that, quite honestly, most human beings just aren't giving each other these days. And to me, that is a tiny little bit of example of divine love in the mundane that says that you're worth it. And that's going to make you want to be your best you. I mean, that's what it's done for me. So let it be a springboard into a better you, you know? When somebody, like a little creature that maybe you always viewed as just just an animal, when you start realizing how much that animal adores you and wants to connect with you and enjoys your attention, it, it opens a whole 
new perception even of self. At least here again, that's what it's done for me. It's done amazing things for my heart and my self-image. And then it makes you want to still work on yourself, right? And then when you start doing magic, you start wanting to dig into that even deeper. So explore it. If it is something that works for you, explore it. If you don't have animals, make sure it fits into your life. Do your research and don't for gosh sakes, do not make impulse purchases and make sure that you're going to house it properly. You're going to be able to train it properly. You know how to train it properly. And um, whatever happens to apply, it's diet, everything. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of digging to do with that. So next. So, all right, houseplants, birds, pets, not working for you? Let's try some divination. Ah, Shasta, you're going to talk about runes and tarot again? No, I'm not. Okay, I've been running into uh, talking to friends and uh, people I've just happened to mention stuff, and I ask them questions, get some feedback on where people's heads are. And when it comes to tarot, for some reason, people think it is such a hard system and they can't do it. There's a lot of symbolism in it and all that good stuff. Hey, great. Okay, cool. It's confusing. You see all these big, huge tarot spreads, and this position means this, and that position means that, and you have to... <laughs> what are you doing, Saul? Where do you want to go, baby? <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> He's getting all kinds of excited. Okay, so if tarot cards intrigue you, but you're not quite there yet, you don't have the confidence level up, you don't think you can do it, maybe you, you like pendulum, but it's not quite enough. It's not giving you the insight you're after. This is something I made fun of for a very long time, and I scoffed at, and I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm one of the biggest fans ever. Oh my gosh. Oracle cards. What are oracle cards? It is a deck, and people get them confused. Sometimes they call them tarot. Tarot is a system of 78 cards with very specific meanings attached. And then, as you get to know those cards and the traditional meanings, you can start building your intuition on them, what they mean to you, maybe what the symbols mean to you. Sometimes they mean different things at different times. Interpretations come in different ways. Sometimes that's a lot to take in, even if you're really gung-ho about it. All right, set that aside. Try oracle cards. The cool thing about oracle cards is there's different types of oracle decks. There's an oracle deck for everyone. Oh my gosh. And I am putting a link down in the show notes. Yes, I found a online website and I didn't explore the entire thing. I got about halfway through and I was so jazzed. I was like, yep, I'm going to put that on there. And it is a list of the top oracle decks for shadow work. It is the top best oracle decks for shadow work. Oh my gosh, try it. Try it. What's great about oracle decks? Okay, you can shuffle them, sit and focus a little bit, and just like any divination tool, you are the one moving the end result. It is your energies, your deep psyche that is ordering those and getting what what's coming up to come up when you most need to see it. The more you use it, it becomes your tool, right? And how many of us come from a church background 
You remember those old devotional books and the prayer books and the prayer a day and the devotion a day and all that great, happy thought kind of thing, but it's real churchy, right? A lot of us move past that and we're here learning magic because we're not in church anymore. But we still kind of like that happy thing, right? Oracle decks are awesome. You can use it to maybe analyze something about yourself, to figure something out, maybe give you insight on a particular situation, thought for the day, something to keep in mind for the day. You can tailor it to your needs just like any other divination tool out there. Oh my gosh, they are fun. And there is all kinds of artwork. I started carrying these on the online store and the reason I started carrying them is just because they're so fun. So I have three of them that I am going to actually do a quick unboxing review on. And then we're going to do the challenge and um, see what you think. So the first one I want to mention, and this is... So usually we save the best for last. We're going to do the best for first. And it happens to be the first on that list on the website for best oracle decks for shadow work. It is the Halloween Oracle. Yeah, the Halloween Oracle. I bought this because I thought it was going to be cheesy. It is not. It is incredible. The cards are very high quality. And outside of the back of the cards being Halloween-y. The artwork isn't necessarily 100% Halloween-y. There is a little bit of Halloween theme to it. So the meanings of these cards go incredibly deep. You can do little suggested spreads. You can do one card drawings. And it's really not something where you have to learn the interpretation and memorize and all that. Just take the guide and read what each card means. Gain your thought and insight on the topic and use it for your own. This is so incredible and I have found this deck to be very, very, very accurate, oddly. So um, that is my choice for the the challenge. If you really want to work with something, I'm going to be working with this deck and I do carry it in my online store. You can get it on Amazon, of course. If you want to support the podcast, it would be very much appreciated. And I do carry it at retail prices. If you join my email list, I am going to be posting a coupon code for online store purchases if you're on my email list. So yeah, that is my challenge is... First and foremost, if you want to do the one I'm working with, the Halloween Oracle. The second one I'm going to work with, I also carry in the online shop. So, of course, I have it. So, I'm going to work with it, too. And it was, uh, I can't remember if it was necessarily second on that list, but it was also pretty high ranking on that website list. And it is the Les Vampires 44 Card Oracle Deck by Lucy... Cavendish. Lucy Cavendish. And the next Oracle deck is by her as well, Noon 3. So here again, you can get this one off of Amazon easy enough. And I do offer it in the online store if you would like to support the podcast. The artwork is actually very pretty. It's a little bit girly. So um, I wouldn't call it cartoony girly, but it's kind of almost an anime look, but a little bit more detailed. I would call it, I would say, uh, yeah, I'd say 
women are probably going to be very attracted to this deck. The Halloween Oracle is going to be very either or men, women would like it equally. This one's going to be a little bit more on the feminine side, I would suggest. So also, I would suggest this would be an excellent deck that would really appeal to teens. Even as I look at this, I'm 54 years old, and definitely I'll be using this deck. I could see the, the appeal. If you're part of the goth crowd or the dark crowd or your teens that are finding your magical way, you might want to check this out, especially if you're working on some of those... Uh, shadow issues. It looks like the interpretation guide on this one is very easy to read. It's very thorough and detailed. And it it has uh ah it has the the concept that you draw, the blessing of that concept and the curse side of that concept. So you might want to call that the upright or the reversed meanings. I would consider both. Just take both into consideration. And then it has a third one at the bottom kind of a final thought on how to work with that particular card. So that's actually pretty cool. I like the way this is structured. Here again, I just opened it. I haven't seen it yet. And it looks like this one has several different, um, well, it has a couple different ideas for layouts. So uh, impressed. I like it. Not, not just uh, trying to say that about my own inventory. I did do a little bit of research on these decks before I bought them, but I have not opened them as far as the uh, vampire deck. And then this one is here again by the same um, creator, Lucy Cavendish, and it is the Alice Wonderland Oracle, which also I think has 44 cards. I'm not sure. Let's see. It doesn't say. The other one says right on it. This one looks like about the same size of deck. And it has very similar artwork. Here again, this is going to appeal probably to a more feminine crowd. But I dig it. If you are a Alice in Wonderland, it is kind of that idea and that theme. It's got a little bit of the Cheshire Cat that looks strewn through it. Um, some of the creatures, a lot of Cheshire Cat. And Alice is on every card. Has a couple of different layouts for you. Ideas that way. And a very similar divination. You know, the guidebook is is uh, laid out the same. The interpretations are similar. There's the basic divination and then a reversed meaning. So as I have mentioned on tarot um, in the past, I always take the reversed into consideration because you're going to get a lot of insight there. And sometimes that's a uh, facts to be considered or, hey, be aware of this or, hey, keep this in mind. There's a lot of value in that. So what I've been doing with these Oracle decks is I'll think about my question and... I'll focus on it while I'm shuffling the deck. And I usually just do a one-card drawing, and I'll say, give me some insight that I need to keep in mind for this situation, and I'll draw it, and there you go. And it usually is very, very applicable. So I actually got a new shipment of decks in, and I've got a whole array of different oracle decks and they and i'm really wanting to carry them just because so many people are so intimidated by tarot this is a great way to get your feet wet it's not as intimidating it's quick it's not as involved so you don't feel like you have to dump a ton of time into using the system 
And it's just as accurate as anything else if you want it to be. It's all in how open-minded you are and where you want to have your um, experiences lie. So if you want it to work, it's going to work for you. Find something that works for your psyche. I am going to be offering one that is new on the market. It is really cute, and it's the uh, it's a Lemurian theme. It's the something, the Oracle of Lemuria or something. I happen to sell Lemurian seed quartz crystals. So each one of those decks is going to come with a Lemurian seed quartz crystal as a free bonus gift. So stay tuned for that. I need to set that up. They're not entered in the store yet. If you are interested in that, email me at magic with a K, M-A-G-I-C-K at randomillusions.com. You can also go to the website at www.randomillusions.com and click the contact link. That will dump right into my email. I'll get it the same way. It's a little bit easier. So, uh, yeah, drop me a line. Check that out. And anyone that wants to follow along on this Oracle card challenge, let's put this out for the entire month of August. How's that sound? And you don't have to necessarily go with these decks. Maybe you have an Oracle deck. Maybe you want to go on the online store and go shopping. Maybe you've had one in mind you've been curious about, and it's in your wish list on Amazon. Whatever trips your trigger, get it however you want it. If you've been meaning to do this, it's a great way to get your feet wet with card divination. And if you pick the right deck, sometimes you can do the spreads. Otherwise, they're all great for a single card drawing. Have it with your coffee in the morning. Have it right before bed at night, whatever. It's wonderful. It's very lighthearted. And a lot of them are incredibly positive. So find one with artwork that suits your psyche. Have fun with it. Keep it easy. Keep it lighthearted. And let yourself know how easy it is. Right on. In conclusion, we've gone quite a while on this one. It's been fun. Let's end with a psalm for shadow work. So as I said in the beginning, shadow work is the process of basically inner alchemy, being your best self, being true to yourself. And if you want to do Psalm 92, Psalm 92 will help you attain your most honorable self, right? So there's two ways of looking at this. Everyone seems to have their own ideas on color for this sort of a thing. You could use purple or you could use green. So take your pick, whatever means the most to you. You could use a white candle also. Here again, Psalm 92 for some awesome keep yourself honorable shadow work. So I've been using it with great success. I have some friends. We all tested on each other. It's been a lot of fun just as a magical self-betterment um, effort, right? So lots of fun. Well, my poor little parakeet looks like he's falling asleep on me. I still have to edit, and I'm already 20 minutes late publishing. So <laughs> I guess this will be a little bit late tonight. Here again, if you go to www.randomillusions.com, you can find a link to get on my email list. If you're on the email list, I will send out a link for the store. And since I'm late getting this week's episode out, I tell you what because that wouldn't be fair to all the new 
email list subscribers. I'll put this out there. And so when we start as of next Tuesday on the Shadow Work Oracle Card Challenge, I will send the link in the email list at that time and I'll get all the newbies on there. Right on. Okay, so, and then that link will also be good for a percentage off anything you purchase in the online store and you will be good to go. All right, peoples. This has been fun. I've been wanting to actually do this one for a number of months. Um, as I said, I'd posted in the groups quite a while back requests on what you wanted to hear, and shadow work was repeatedly reiterated, and a lot of people were clicking like it. It actually got the most likes, the most comments, and it was one of the highest on the list. I think Jin was the highest, and then it followed with shadow work. So anyway, all right, people. Until next time, you know the drill. Keep a smile on your face. Keep a bounce in your step. Keep practicing your magic. And don't forget, shadow work can be a lot of fun if you let it be. You can move mountains with your shadow work. You can unblock things that you didn't even know are blocking you. And go find yourself a little friend, whether he's growing in a pot of dirt, or if he has feathers, or if he has fur, or fins, whatever. Give it some consideration. And if you already have pets in your life that you love, I challenge you to take it up a notch. Learn just a little bit more than you already know about them and do what you can to be the best friend ever to them, whether it's a plant or an animal or a fish. All right? All right. You have a great one. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Twitter.com slash GOST radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions Podcast YouTube channel, the GOST radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up, Facebook, 
privately, Tim Cheesebrow, Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com. And we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures. And hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>